comes around, comes around. What up, people? What is going on? How you guys doing tonight on this wonderful Monday night? And more importantly, who here is excited for tonight? I'm pretty excited. By the way, we got a new camera angle. Let me know what you guys think. If you haven't noticed, we've been going live um, twice a week, every week for the last few weeks. And this week is no exception. So as we get going here, uh, let me know where you are listening in from and just know that we have a uh, live chat. So if you have any questions as we're going live, as we get going here, let me know in the chat and we will address those. It's kind of the advantage of you being able to tune in live to these. So, ooh, forgot to hit record. Let me hit record real quick. We are officially live because now we're actually recording. So what's going on guys? I'm really excited for this one and I hope you guys are excited too because I woke up this morning and I was thinking, what should we talk about on tonight's live stream on the actual podcast version of Raw Dating Advice? And I thought to myself, man, we've been talking so much about like outer game and stuff. Let's talk about nonverbal communication and just keep this outer game train rolling. And also let me know, has this been helpful for you guys as of late? So. Um, let's get right into it. I first want to read a quote out of The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. By the way, if you guys have not checked out this book, this is an amazing book. Um, more importantly, uh, well, here's the reason why I like it. Because it's very interesting to look at historical examples of the most seductive characters in history. And in history, um... There's like, I think he narrows it down to 11 different archetypes of attractive characters. And one of them that rings really true to a lot of what we talk about as far as how to attract women and how to spark conversational tension, especially when it comes to like what you do verbally uh, in the moment, uh, really relates a lot to the coquette. And I think this is important because um, we have a few videos coming out on top of this live stream where I'm talking a lot about uh, the friend zone and guys who land themselves in the friend zone. And oftentimes, if you find yourself going nuts over a girl, it's probably because of the seductive archetype of the coquette. She's hot. She's cold. One second, she seems interested. The next second, she's not that interested. And so it's very interesting because if you want to learn the master of art, the if you want to master the art of validate and invalidate, um, which is definitely one of those chapters inside of this book, Mastering the Art of Validate and Invalidate. Very interesting read uh, about the coquette. But today I wanna talk about five body language triggers that literally track uh, a spark attraction because a lot of what creates that tension is the on-off behavior, the hot-cold mentality. And so today, let's talk a little bit about body language and how do you build up some tension and then take it away? How do you get a girl to feel attracted to you and then kind of pull away a little bit so she starts chasing you and doing this all non-verbally? And that's what I really want to look forward to delivering for you guys today. So let me know since we're live, where are you guys listening in from and who's excited for this? Um, I actually forgot to bookmark the page, so remind me to look up that page a little bit later on. But also, if you haven't noticed um, the last couple weeks, in between the points that we make, we have this 
wonderful card game that I got from Barnes and Noble called Extreme Personal Questions. And so um, if we get a super chat or in between every one of these points, I will go ahead and answer an extreme personal question. It's been, it's been getting pretty juicy the last couple of weeks. So that said, the first one is something that's directly out of my book and it's literally chapter number three I believe and that is the seductive gaze now if you have this and you've seen some of the examples but I'm gonna give you a brief overview about what the seductive gaze is because what I found is a lot of times if I can roll up to a chick approach her or even on a date or just literally any girl that I want to create one of those moments with where it immediately makes me stand out above the crowd and it also makes this interaction it puts me on a radar basically right because as we go throughout our day, we're kind of in autopilot. We have small talk conversations. If you approach a girl, you've definitely had some of those moments where you get into interview mode and it's so hard to get out of interview mode because you're already on that forward momentum of like this thing that takes no effort to do, right? It's kind of like when you drive your car home, you don't, you, you like, a lot of times don't even remember the entire trip because you're in such autopilot, your brain just kind of like goes, he knows what turns to make and whatnot. And so it's kind of the same thing here. Um, when you're in an interaction with a girl, 99% of guys are having these very forgettable interactions. And I found that just one of the th things that if I, if you do this alone, immediately makes this interaction stand out in a way that makes this girl remember you. And especially when, if, if you happen to get her number and you go to text her later on, wouldn't you want that interaction to be something that was memorable for her? And what causes that um, to become memorable? And that's kind of something that we've already been talking a little bit about, which is tension. And if, if you follow my advice at all, one of the things that we talk about a lot is conversational tension and how conversational tension is literally the building block to making women attracted to you. And tension, when done non-verbally, you know, because we can talk about what to say all day. In fact, I've got a program on uh, what to say. It's called Words That Make Her Want You. But if you if you learn what to say, but you don't learn the non-verbal stuff, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Because, you know, some studies have come out that say, you know, Subcommunications or communication between two people is like 93% nonverbal, like body language and vocal tonality. Whether you agree with that or not, the more you take action, the more you'll find that it somewhat rings true. Yes, you can say things that will spark uh, a memorable moment and some tension in the conversation, but more often than not, without the, if you if you wanted to be able to just do it, even if you weren't feeling like super witty or free flowing. Making sure your nonverbals are on point is the first step and often one of those difference makers that really makes you stand out above the rest. And so the first thing is the seductive gaze. And the seductive gaze is very simple, but there are a few nuances, all right? So the first thing is the sly smile, right? And I say the sly smile and not a smirk because if you look up the definition of what a smirk is, a smirk is basically like um, a one-sided mouth raise that shows contempt for someone. So let me, let me try to give you guys my best smirk right here. And I'm really like not the most talented at like posing on command. If you've ever seen some of my thumbnails, you know how awkward I can look sometimes. All right. So here's my smirk. <laughs> right. It, it's like a weird one side of your mouth raise 
and it just shows contempt. And the reason why I don't like the smirk as far as creating that seduct the seduction, the push-pull effect non-verbally is because you don't want to be too much of an asshole, but also it doesn't show any happiness or like fun or like good energy coming off of you, right? And it's one thing if you want to go, if you're like super nice and you go on the far end of the spectrum on the opposite end and you're like, I'm just going to be a fucking dick to all these chicks that I talk to, right? You will get a different result. I promise you that. But sustained results where people actually like you and want to hang out with you and want to see you again in the future, if you're too much of a dick or if you're too like too James Bondish, right? I call this James Bond game because it's like it's like trying to act extra hard and making yourself seem way more badass than you actually are. Like, dude, drop the act, right? So the smirk is cool, but more often than not, it's going to push women away from you is what I've found. Uh, just my observation of a lot of very a lot of interactions as well as my own interactions in my own firsthand experience as well. So here's the nuance is you do a sly smile which is just kind of like a pleasant smile, right? Like the Mona Lisa smile, but with a slight smirk, right? That's what makes it a sly smile, right? So it's like like I would almost like if if you're just like smoking a good sativa one afternoon on the beach, just imagine the smile that would come over your face. That's a sly smile, all right? So if you're just having a great time, and what that does is it kind of makes her feel subconsciously like good vibes coming off of you, right? The difference between a smirk that shows contempt and a sly smile that shows, hey, I'm just feeling good in my own skin right now. That's kind of the key difference. And although it is like kind of a closed-lipped smile, one of them is just like there's no other expression on your face. So here's the other nuance to the seductive gaze, which is, a slight squint in your eyes. And so the slight squint, if you've ever noticed um, that sometimes when people smile, they get the crow's feet on their eyes, on the corner of their eyes. If you can kind of create the crow's feet by doing a slight squint, so this is gonna take a little bit of practice, but the crow's feet and then uh, pair that with your sly smile, you're just, I'm feeling good, I'm comfortable in my own skin, life is amazing. That's the, the perfect balance there, right? Because squinting your eyes slightly and having a little bit of a smirk inside of your smile, that's what breaks rapport. That's what pushes her away. But then what pulls her in and creates that push-pull effect just through your nonverbal communication is the fact that you're also showing genuine happiness with the crow's feet in your eyes, which only actually happens when people are genuinely happy. It's a micro expression of happiness, right? And euphoria. And so having the sly smile and the seductive and the, the, um, slightly squinted, um, crow's feet on your eyes, that's the magical combo right there. And that's what I call the seductive gaze. And like I said, the benefits it gives you is the push pull nature in your nonverbal communication. What I found is that if I just practice that in the mirror, um, especially when I first started learning this stuff, just practice it because uh, a lot of guys will, they'll, they'll not really pay. They won't know exactly what to pay attention to. How do I make my mouth look? How do I make my eyes look? Maybe they're too focused on one thing or the other. What you need to do is actually practice this stuff in the mirror before you actually go out. Because if you were like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take action on this immediately. And you go, all right, I'm watching this video live. And then you turn to the chick in front of you and you just go, and you just look so fucking weird, right? Because you didn't practice it. You don't know what you look like. I'm surprised that anybody could strike a pose thousands of years ago before they had mirrors. I always wonder that. Do you Have you guys ever wondered how people knew what they looked like like 2,000 years ago, like back in Jesus's day? Like, did they have to look in the water like Mulan and just see the reflection? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But 
the lucky advantage is that in 2021 we have mirrors so just take 10 minutes five minutes a day um, while you're brushing your teeth practice your your seductive gaze the sly smile right here and showing genuine happiness with a slight squint and generating a little bit of those wrinkles right here on the edges of your eyes and by that point if you practice it just a little bit right just for like challenge yourself to do it for 21 days in a row 21 days they say is like the perfect amount of time to be able to build a habit it's debatable if it's actually 67 days or 66 days or if it's 21 days I would say Say bare minimum practice this in the mirror for 21 days and you will definitely notice a difference and how natural it feels when you're in those social interactions and um one of the other things I want to give you, uh, as far as an exercise that really helps me in addition to just practicing the slice, the seductive gaze. So let me try to do a pose of the seductive gaze real quick. You're like, I'm intrigued with you. Like I'm curious about you. That's what your eyes say. And you're showing genuine happiness. Like, I'm just loving life right now, right? So, what I was going to say is, one of the things that you're going to notice is in the moment when you banter with a girl, you're going to feel a lot of tension. Especially if you're not super experienced when it comes to creating conversational tension on command with girls. Especially in the ways that we talk about um, in this book, right? And on this channel and a ton of different videos, right? But what you won't know, what you won't often prepare for, especially if you're starting out, is that anxiety. If you feel any nervousness or anxious tension before you approach a girl or before you meet up with a girl on a date in person, um, by the time you go and actually drop a, a line, a, a playful tease, or something like that, you're gonna feel a lot of nervous energy, and it's only gonna get worse um, right before the interaction and as you're in the interaction. And sometimes you're gonna lose your train of thought. You're going to not know how to handle the tension. And so just know that practicing basking in tension while holding the seductive gaze is one of those best things that you can possibly do to be working on your game, even when you're by yourself, right? This is one of those things that for many years, especially when I first started out, probably for the first three or four years that I was in the game, this was my religious routine every single day. When I would work out, what I would do is I would, you know, like when you do pull-ups and you see those guys at the gym and they're just like, Aah! and they're like straining their face or like they're doing shoulder raises and they're like, ah, 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 right? They get like super intense and, and into it and their face has all this tension. They're showing a lot of that tension on their face, right? Well, here's the thing. That tension that you feel in your body, it's just, it's just like um, a biological response to muscular tension, right? But if you can practice basking in that muscular tension that you're feeling in the gym. I'll give you another example too, another way to do this outside of the gym. Um, what I've found is that's a great way to almost get in those reps where it's actually easier to maintain a seductive gaze or just like a happy gaze on your face. The, the seductive gaze that we've been talking about with the sly smile and the sly, uh, or in the slight squint in your eyes. Um, if you can bask in tension, but instead of doing this, uh, as you're doing pull-ups, you do this. Pull-ups. Or rather than going, uh, like looking like you're about to shit yourself, you go. And even better, if you can hold eye contact with yourself in the mirror. And I know 
To some of you guys, that might sound crazy. And you might think you would look like a fool or a sociopath when you're at the gym and you're basking in all that muscular tension and you're not looking like you're constipated, but you're actually looking calm, cool, and collected. I know it sounds weird when it rolls off the tongue or when it hits you in the ear as I'm talking to you right now live, but I promise you, if you can hold the seductive gaze and hold strong, dominant, laser-focused eye contact with that slight squint in your eyes and more importantly, relaxed eye contact, it's just practicing those hard reps. That way, when you get into the real world, when a girl playfully teases you or gives you a shit test, it's not gonna even phase you. And if it does, it's almost like when you practice doing it in that tough environment, it's almost like the more tension it has, the stronger, the more, the more resilient your seductive gaze becomes, like the harder it is to make it waver off your face and actually show negative emotions or start reacting to her non-verbally. And I think that's an important key, key here is like, oftentimes if you've ever heard people talking about frame battles and like, oh, she's got the hot girl frame or you gotta be have the buyer frame, which we can go into a little bit in this video, but a lot of times what a lot of people don't even rec uh, realize is it also happens non-verbally. Like who is reacting to who in um, body language, right? For example, if I'm leaning in and then she leans in and then I lean out and then she leans out, non-verbally, she's also following my lead. So if you haven't even thought about um, contextually or just like what's going on non-verbally in your interactions with her, um, or even if you've thought about it, but you don't really realize or even know what to look at and what to point out, that's one of the key things that helps solidify the buyer frame or a lot of the attractive frames that we talk about on this channel is also combining it with the nonverbal stuff. Does this make sense, guys? Does this resonate with any of you? Um, let me go to the computer and see how many people we got live. We got 10 viewers on so, so far. What's up? my people. So let me know with a thumbs up or even in the chat if you have any questions or if this is making sense, right? Since we're doing this live, I'd you know, love to have a conversation and really engage with you guys and interact with you guys. Um, so another way that you can do this outside of the gym is also, and I I've talked about this before too, definitely on our inner circle coaching calls, which we do on Thursdays before our live stream. Um, and if you're not in the inner circle and you're curious about what that entails, then shoot me a DM on Instagram that says inner circle. But uh, here's the thing. The other place is taking cold showers. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago in a podcast, but what I've also found is like, if you feel anxiety around women, social anxiety, or just approach anxiety in general, that if you turned on your shower right now and you're used to taking hot showers and you just turn on the cold knob as cold as it can go and you use no hot water and you told yourself, well, I have to get in this water and stand there with that cold ass water beating down on my body you would not want to get in, most likely, unless you take a lot of cold showers, right? You're gonna feel a little bit of anxiety to getting into that shower because you're gonna anticipate the cold water hitting your body and it's gonna feel as though you're trying to, you're gonna naturally want to avoid that future pain of cold water hitting your body, right? So that anxiety before you get into the shower, if you, you may not have realized this before, or maybe you have, but that's similar, very similar to the same anxiety you feel before approaching a girl in public, right? And so if you can just get that one little battle, also practicing overcoming that anxiety by taking a cold shower, um, that's also gonna be one of those things that makes it a lot easier to um, overcome in real world experiences simply because you had experience doing that 
that day, the day before, the day before, because hopefully you're showering at least once a day, right? That's, you know, most people I would generally recommend should shower at least once a day. Some of y'all motherfuckers need to shower at least like three times a day, but that's a different story. But that's the first thing. The second thing is when you get into that cold shower, realize that there's a lot of cold water beating down on your body. And that tension, that temptation that your body feels to go, oh, oh, it's cold. Oh my God. Oh, it hurts, right? That's kind of like the same as the guy who can't not look constipated when he's doing a pull-up, right? And so if you can also just instantly look at a spot on the wall in front of you inside the shower, hold eye contact, just practice holding eye contact with it while holding the sly smile and the slight squint in your eyes, aka the seductive gaze. By the way, I give picture examples in chapter three of this book as well. We'll talk about a a couple of other things in this book. And also, I'm just curious, let me know in the comments who here actually has this book? And if you don't have this book, why don't you have the book yet, man? You're definitely missing out. It's like at least probably the most anticipated um, book that not a lot of people can get. So I've literally, I literally looked up um, reviews for my book on some random book review website and there's like a shitload of reviews on there and I don't even have the book on Amazon yet. And I do that intentionally because what did we talk about a couple weeks ago? If someone can't have something and it's naturally more scarce, don't they want it more, right? And so that's why we only print a few hundred copies at a time of this book and we keep it not on Amazon because it builds up more anticipation and buzz around the book, right? And so how can you apply that same type of mentality to your game? So that's just one thing I wanted to point out, but it's funny that so many, there's been so much buzz around about this book already, and it hasn't even been posted on Amazon. That will happen one day, but I'm, I think I'm going to wait until we get to a certain specific number of books sold directly through me, um, before we do that, just, just for the hell of it. Right. And so, um, the point I wanted to make is, man, if you, if you really want to improve your ability to attract women, you are definitely missing out by not having this book. Right. And so, um, yeah, man. So that's those are the two exercises I would recommend for um, practicing basking in tension and more importantly, making that seductive gaze a lot more resilient for you. So that's my first one. And we got four more left, but let's do a personal question. So let me spread out some cards. I'll draw one at random for you guys. And also kudos to whoever can guess what is in my cup. What's in my cup is in my cup. But I'm curious who here has been watching the last few weeks and who here knows what's in my cup whenever we go live. I'll give a uh, shout out on my Instagram story if you can guess it. All right. So what was going on the last time you, oh, this, we already got that question a couple weeks ago. All right. What were you doing the last time you realized you needed to shut your blinds recording this live stream? Uh, what has been your most careless injury ever? What is, I was thinking about this the other day. The first time I got knocked out cold, I was in kindergarten and we used to play this game with, um, at recess and it was called bumper cars. We called it bumper cars where we put our arms on our chest and we'd run into each other at full speed, just like bumper cars. And I remember me and this other kid in my class, kindergarten, um, we were like five years old and we started on opposite ends of the playground and we ran full speed at each other as hard as we could with our arms 
blocking us uh, for our shield. And I remember, I, I remember just running towards him and seeing him. And then the next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground. I'm waking up, and the kindergarten teacher is over me, and my entire class is huddled, huddled around me. That's the one and only time I've been knocked out cold in my life, and I don't plan on it ever happen again. And that is an extreme personal question. Now let's get into the second uh, body talk attraction trigger, body language of attraction. All right, so this one is more just a few general rules I want you to keep in mind when it comes to body language, specifically when you're talking to a girl on a date or the first time you talk to her um, when you're approaching her. Um, and I didn't even have this in my notes, but I want to make this note because um, I see guys making this mistake a lot, a lot, a lot, is if you approach a girl in public, let's say you approach a girl at a restaurant. Um, a lot of guys probably don't even have the balls to approach a girl when she's sitting down with one friend or two friends or by herself. By herself, you got no excuse. I can see why you would have more anxiety around approaching a girl if she was with a friend or two. But keep in mind, if you have good enough vibes and you're already having a good time and that's the value you bring into the interaction when you approach them is just I'm injecting more fun than you guys were having into this into this table right here, that's when girls are going to be more, they're going to be okay with you talking to them, even if they're about to eat at a restaurant, all right? I've done this countless, countless numbers of times. Uh, one of the reasons why I have so much experience doing this is because if you ever come to Scottsdale, Arizona, which by the way is like wide open already, thinking about like the year we just came out of and how everybody's been itching to go out, it blows my mind how quickly things open back up as soon as, you know, the vaccines were out and, you know, the regulations got a little bit more loose, especially in Arizona. Those clubs are raging right now and I don't blame them. Anyways, if you go to Scottsdale, Old Town Scottsdale on a Sunday afternoon, there's going to be a lot of people who are out drinking for Sunday fun day and they're all going to be dressed up as if, as if they're going to the club or there's going to be people eating lunch, but it just so happens to be that it's all kind of happening in the same street in the same area. And so <laughs> I've, I've promised you I've done it countless times. And the one defining factor of if a girl or her friends or her, her and her, whoever she's with is willing to entertain a conversation with a random guy who rolls up to them is if he's just having a good time and He's bringing that fun into the interaction because at the end of the day, it's like that 80s song. I think it's 80s, um, but it's called girls just want to have fun, right? So remember that girls just want to have fun. At the end of the day, if you do nothing more than inject fun into the conversation and that's the value you bring, well, I mean, that's an attractive trait on its own, right? And so uh, let's get into a couple of those uh, rules. And, and here's why I bring this up is because Let's say, for example, you approach a girl at a restaurant and she's with a friend. Well, the moment that they become okay with or just investing back into the conversation where now it's an actual conversation, the longer you keep standing if they're sitting, the more awkward it gets with every passing second because they've already kind of subconsciously non-verbally invited you into the conversation by talking back with you, especially if you're, if you're already bantering with at least one of these girls, right? And so anytime you're on a different level is the way I like to think about it. The moment they start investing into the conversation is the moment that you should just naturally pull up a chair and sit next to them or whatever level they're on, right? If you're sitting and she's 
I don't know, like if you're on a different level, like get on her level, right? Join them. The most common example that I see a lot is they're sitting, you're standing. The longer you stay standing, the more awkward it just gets because you're like, you're not in the group yet because you're on a different level non-verbally with your body, right? And so just pull up a chair, sit down real quick. That's the first thing I want to say. It wasn't even in the notes, but I think it's an important point to put in here. Another one is let's say you and a girl are talking and you guys are relating back and forth. Maybe you guys have been bantering. Maybe you guys are sitting down at a table. When in doubt, lean out, all right? When in doubt, lean out. When in doubt, lean where? Out. Do the little, the lean back. Right. And so the one example I, I see of this is just if you guys are sitting back or you're, you guys are talking to each other and you're sitting across from her at the table, just lean back into your seat. It's way what I've noticed is when people tell stories or they're talking to someone, it almost gives off the vibe that you're way more at ease with yourself and you're more comfortable in your, your own skin, which is obviously an attractive trait to have if you're leaning back while you're talking right? Sometimes it is valuable to lean forward because it almost like draws more attention to your eyes, especially if you're holding that eye contact, which makes the point of your message way more charismatic. But I would say that's more, uh, of an advanced thing that, um, comes the more comfortable you get in conversation. But when in doubt, lean out, how should I be sitting right now? When in doubt, lean out. Should I be leaning towards her? Should I be holding her? When in doubt, lean out, right? And more often than not, what you'll find is when you lean back, she's going to lean in into you, the more attracted to you she becomes and the more you're able to create that sexual tension in the conversation. And why is that so advantageous? Well, two reasons. One, to everybody else who's observing this interaction, right? If you're leaning back, even if you guys are having the most platonic conversations of all conversations that you've ever had, if you're leaning back and she's leaning into you, what does that communicate subconsciously to every other person in this environment who's observing you two interacting with each other? What does that subcommunicate? Obviously, it subcommunicates that you're the one who's um, less interested in her and she's more interested in you because she's leaning into you and you're leaning away from her. So just for that simple fact, when in doubt, lean out. Simply because even if this interaction doesn't go well, I mean, I've definitely had dates where I even met up with girls on a date and the shit goes so bad that we end up just going our separate ways and then I start talking to other girls at the place, right? But I've also had interactions where I just approach a girl and it's the same type of thing where um, even if it's going good or even if it's like just a quick interaction, if I can have her leaning towards me, that creates so much pre-selection to everybody else around me that it makes the next approach I do or the next person I talk to, or even if a girl's walking by and I want to bring her into the conversation, it makes it way more natural because I'm leaning back, right? Versus like I'm leaning forward and I'm like a, like a needy car salesman, like, hey, you want to you wanna buy my shit? You want to buy my shit, right? So it just triggers um, a lot more attractive things about you uh, subconsciously, right? And it makes it feel like you're more comfortable in your own skin. The next thing is just leading and pacing. I talked about this a little bit and I hinted at it a little bit, but a lot of guys think who has the stronger frame conversationally in this interaction? Who's chasing who? If I disqualify her and then she starts qualifying to me, yeah, that's a sign that she's chasing me conversationally, right? But the other one that a lot of guys forget about, um, but I would argue it's just as important, if not more important, which is who's leading 
and pacing the interaction non-verbally, right? And so the most common example is like, if I have my arms and I'm like leaning back like this and I'm like talking to her, right? And this is just an example because it's like such a drastic thing that everybody can see, right? If I put my arm back like this, what you'll notice is the moment she starts to feel more connected with you and she feels like, you know, she's more attracted to you in the moment. There's more sexual tension. Tension just naturally starts to bring people closer together, right? It just makes them naturally start gravitating closer towards each other. And that's the bu that's what we call like creating that bubble, you know, that bubble um, where it's almost like when you're about to kiss a girl, like all distractions kind of fall to the wayside. You don't really hear a lot of the things going on. You don't really see a lot of, it's just you and her. And then you guys kind of get close. Like it's the same type of thing, right? And what you'll find is as the interaction goes on, <clears throat> the more into the interaction she becomes, if you're, for example, happening to do this, you'll almost notice and it'll like trip you out that she's also got her arm like this and looks like a mirror image of you, right? And if you've never noticed that, well, one, I would pay attention to how good are your conversational skills? Are you getting to the point where you're building a really good connection and rapport on a foundation of sexual attraction and sexual tension like that's the way you should be doing it so if you're not really seeing girls mirroring your body language very much then <clears throat> i would say go back and work on that and secondly work on your ability to create that no like and trust factor with a girl to where she's feeling way more committed to you and connected to you in the moment and so another common example is like exactly what we talked about before leaning back and leaning forward if i'm leaning back for a very long time because we said when in doubt lean out if i've been leaning back for too long then it can almost show too much disinterest or just non-verbally it kind of gets boring right because there's what we're talking about which is like surface level but then there's what's going on non-verbally between us right and if all you do is lean back into your chair the whole night it kind of starts to run a little bit stale and maybe you've noticed this in your interaction so just for the sake of switching it up if i'm leaning back and talking and i notice that she's uh actually leaned back in her seat then i i can almost assume that she's leaning back because she's subconsciously mirroring my body language, which this happens naturally, right? It's not like a psychological trick. Like this is, this is if you study human behavior, two people who are in rapport with each other more often than not are mirroring each other's body language, right? And so here's what I do. And this is what, what helps solidify the, the frame that I'm the one leading this interaction. And when we're, especially when we're talking non-verbally is if I'm, if I'm leaning back and then she starts leaning back, maybe a few minutes later, if she says something interesting, I'll lean forward just for the sake of leaning forward so I can seem more intrigued into the conversation. And then what you'll notice is maybe like within two seconds after you lean forward, if your rapport is very strong with her, then she's actually going to like immediately follow your body, body language. Or even if she takes 10 seconds or 30 seconds, it's still having the effect that you're the one who's leading and pacing this interaction non-verbally, right? And so imagine if I'm making all these little mini commitments, right? I'm, I'm doing this throughout a, a three hour conversation or a three hour, hour interaction with her. If it's a date night or you approach her and it just happens to be going that well, 
Imagine doing this 20, 30 times over the course of those three hours or more, and she follows your lead every single time. These are like little things that make it way easier for you to lead this thing back to your place or to her place where the bang bang can occur, right? Where good things can happen behind closed doors. And we call that phase of seduction. What do we call it? What do we call it? We call it isolation, right? You got to isolate her because obviously she's not going to bang you in the, in the middle of public, right? More often than not, I would say 99.999% of the time, she's going to want to be behind closed doors. So Having your ability, working on your ability to lead non-verbally is only going to make the interaction run a lot smoother. And one thing that I would like to point out is if you do notice that when you kind of change levels or um, if you lean forward, she immediately leans forward and then you lean back maybe five minutes later and she immediately leans back because the time between her mirroring your body language is so short, you can almost assume that the rapport between you guys is very strong, which means that right now you're at a high point in the interaction. And so the way I like to transition, because if you stay in one spot for too long in a date type situation or a conversation type of situation, if you stay in one spot, it almost gets too boring. It's like watching that Transformers movie with Mark, Mark Wahlberg, like, who didn't fall asleep during that movie? It was just three hours of just nonsense, right? And so um, if you have three hours of like the same thing and you're not doing very much, you're not moving throughout the venue or you're not hopping around to like, I'm getting drinks here, we're going on a walk on this sidewalk, we go sit down on this park bench, right? If you're not doing that kind of thing where there's different um, experiences within this interaction, in that one interaction, then you're really selling yourself short. And the best way to lead the interaction logistically like that is by leading at a high note. And so the moment you notice she's mirroring your body language um, right away, that's a high note in the interaction. What I would do is I would playfully disqualify, I would inject a small tease to bring the interaction, uh, bring a little bit more sexual tension into that uh, connecting vibing type of interaction. And then the moment you kind of get that even more of a high note, um, that's where I would say, you know what? It's actually, uh, I like the lighting better over there. Come with me. And you don't even ask for permission. It's always like hey, you grab her hand and you say, come with me. Or you say, Hey, I'd like to go over there and uh, grab a drink. Um, but only if you promise to tell me something that, uh, you know, won't disappoint me or something like that. Only if you promise to tell me something interesting about yourself that you've never told anybody else, right? Something like that, just to kind of challenge her subconsciously. But what is that? It's like, it's, I literally talk about it in here. Um, I think it's called, what is that chapter? I, it's literally called, but only if <laughs> I think it's what I call it. You give her, you, you make a request and then you say, but only if, and then you add some kind of like funny or playful qualifier that she needs to meet or you don't even want to do it in the first place, right? So it's just a fun way to lead the interaction logistically and a good benchmark to know when you're at that high note. Does this make sense, guys? Um, Valued One says, uh, thoughts on dating in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. No luck for me whatsoever. I'm fit. Five foot nine, debt free, full time job, and completely clueless as to why I've been single for way too long. There's there's a few thoughts, and I'm glad you you asked the question by saying thoughts because one thing that I am very good at is having a lot of intriguing thoughts and just talking them out loud. The first thought that came to me when I read your question 
is, uh, I remember I was at a presentation. Um, it was in an, in, at an in-person event, um, where I got some, the opportunity to meet, uh, fuck, what's his name? I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, fuck. He wrote the evolution of desire. I believe that's it. The evolution, the evolution of desire. Yes. Yes. The evolution of desire was written by, come on, Google. Dr. Dr. How are you going to give me the fucking Dr. David Buss? I knew it. It was on the tip of my tongue, right? Dr. David Buss. I got the opportunity to meet Dr. David Buss at this fucking event in California. And, um, he wrote the evolution of desire. And one of the most intriguing things that I remember from that, um, from the speech he gave, the presentation he gave was talking about, um, the guy to girl ratio in a geographical area. Right. And, and even more important than that is the, the volume, um, of, of men and women in that area as well. So Sioux Falls, South Dakota, what's the volume of men and women that could potentially meet in a given area compared to a place like Scottsdale, Arizona or Las Vegas or Miami, Florida, right? So the volume, there's obviously a lot less. It's not a lot more. There's a lot less people in that area, right? So that's one thought. But then the other thing that really intrigued me was he gave an example of one of the only colleges in the entire nation where girls vastly outnumber guys. Um, and then he talked about the statistics of dating in that area. And what he, what he noticed is like guys who were rated as less attractive were able to get hotter or girls that were rated as more attractive. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot here. Um, he were, they were able to land higher quality girls simply by being in an area where the girl to guy ratio was a lot better. Right. And so the, the reason why I say that, um, the example is Texas Christian university that I, I remember, I don't know why I specifically remember the exact college it was, but apparently it's like girls outnumber guys by a significant amount. And most of those guys there are living very extremely uh, fulfilling dating lives. Let's just say that, right? So my first thought is if you have a full-time job, well, you can get a full-time job anywhere because what, what you get paid for is not the job title you have, but what you get paid for is the value that you bring to the marketplace, right? So what skills do you have? You can probably get a job in a lot of other places. Another thing is I don't know the specifics of your job, right? So I don't know um, what your life setup is, but if you grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you're already at a disadvantage because I feel like most guys generally tend to have better success when they kind of get out of the bubble that they grew up in. But secondly is like move. Like you're not a tree. You, you, can, you can get up and move, right? So if you have money, um, and more, more importantly, what I've noticed is these days, a lot of jobs tend to be going virtual, right? So if you have the ability to do that and, and moving is something that you could make happen if you wanted it bad enough, I would say consider it um, because let's let's face it, online dating is a graveyard of dudes getting ghosted by girls who just want confidence boosting validation. Clip that shit. So uh, that's the first thought I have. The second thought I have is I'm fit, I'm 5'9", I'm debt free, full-time job. Those are qualities that don't really matter when it comes to dating, right? If you have a certain population of girls around you, what I would do is if you don't want to move, right, to answer your question, is brainstorm 
where are the pockets of higher volume of girls in my area? So one example is a lot of guys really like to do a lot of day game. They like to do a lot of daytime approaches. Um, grew up in Connecticut, lived in Sioux Falls for almost two years. All right, good to know. So if you want to stay in Sioux Falls, um, here's what I recommend, right? Because in every city, there are pockets of people who are getting together for the sake of potentially meeting a, another person of the opposite sex. In Scottsdale, Arizona, it happens to be the bars and nightclubs, right? But in a lot of people's, here's an example, right? Um, a lot of guys are trying to do like daytime approaches. I have a lot of clients who do nothing but go to grocery stores or department stores to approach women. And that's like their their primary way to meet women. And yeah, let's say you, you live in a city with an amazing mall that has a, a Walmart that's just crawling with hot chicks. Um, more importantly, if you're going to go to a grocery store, this is a complete side note. Don't go to Walmart. Don't go to Fry's. Don't go to Circle K or whatever. Go to a place like Whole Foods where girls who are fit and are into personal development would actually be more likely to shop because they want that organic whole foods stuff. Right. And so that's one thing. But the second thing is like, listen, a lot of people are like dead set on like, I have to go do day game approaches. And the only problem with that is your, it's like, it's like a micro version of living in a city with not a lot of women. Right. It's like a, it's like you might as well be living in Western Kansas trying to go out to clubs there which there are probably none in Western Kansas, right? Um, they say there's about as many girls in Western Kansas as there are trees. Um, I heard that joke from a guy who lived in Western Kansas. So here's the thing. I always tell these guys like, you're doing yourself a disservice by devoting all of your time and energy to that because let's say on a very good day at a very high traffic Whole Foods or something, maybe you'll find like two or three women to approach in an hour or 30 minutes, however long it is. But how long would it take you to talk to two or three women if you just went out to a bar tonight? How long would it take you to talk to two or three women if you went to a really nice restaurant tonight? Or like a restaurant that had a good like drink special of some sort? Obviously, there's gonna be a higher volume of women who are there for the purpose of letting loose a little bit, of potentially meeting someone of the opposite sex. No girl is gonna go through the effort to pancake chemicals on her face for two hours and do her fucking hair to hang out with her girlfriends. I'm just telling you that, right? She's only gonna go through that effort, even if she won't admit it, because she's hoping another guy will will like it and appreciate it and find her attractive. Even if, even if she's in a relationship, right? It's a very subconscious thing. They're not doing that to attract, like they're not doing that to attract your mother or like her friend, right? She's doing it to attract men. So what I would say is keep in mind that <laughs> night game or just like going out to bars and nightclubs or a place with a good drink special or, or, or a dope sushi spot. Every city or even small towns have somewhere nearby where you can go that has that capability that gives you a better chance to talk to three women in 30 minutes versus three women in, women in three hours um, than going to a grocery store or a fucking park, right? So just do some brainstorming and research where in your city are there pockets of people who are going on a regular basis to put on makeup and socialize, right? If you can find that place nearby you, I promise you, you're going to be meeting a higher volume of women with the same amount of effort, probably less effort. Because let's face it, if I if I approach a girl here and and it doesn't go well, 
well, because there's a lot of people in this place, if I'm in a place with a lot of people who are partying or drinking or something like that, um, they're not paying attention to specifically what's happening in this interaction, right? And so even if this girl said, fuck off, I don't like you, I have a boyfriend, don't talk to me, if I look calm, cool, and collected, to the girl who's standing 10 feet over there, it looks like I probably know this chick, right? Think about it like this. Have you ever been to a nightclub or a bar and you thought, oh, that girl's hot. I should probably go and approach her. Oh, she's talking to that guy. That must be her boyfriend. Oh, wait, that girl, that must be her boyfriend too. Like, I can't talk to that girl because she's talking to that guy. And you assume that all these girls are coming to this place with their boyfriends. I promise you, most of these girls don't even know these guys. How do I know this? Because this was a thing I had to overcome myself going to a place where arguably there's the highest volume of tens, like hot ass chicks, which is Scottsdale, Arizona. I would, I've debated many times with people and I'd be open to this conversation too. Scottsdale probably has the highest density of hot girls that you'll find anywhere in the nation. I've partied in Las Vegas, New York, Miami, um, Dallas, Texas, Kansas City, um, LA. I partied in a lot of fucking places, San Diego, and I'm telling you, no place beats the consistency and the quality and the density of hot girls in Scott, then Scottsdale, Arizona, right? Las Vegas is a close second, but Las Vegas doesn't even, I don't think it compares simply because if you're there on the weekends, you get a lot of um, bachelorette parties with, with not so attractive women. Um, and bachelorette parties are always tricky because most often the bridesmaids, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to get them to separate from the the bride and and that group of girls. So it can be done, but I'm just saying more often than not, you're getting a lot of fat tourists who are lazy, who are there to just drink slushies with tequila and vodka in it. If you go during the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're going to meet a lot of those industry girls who work on the weekends and are like super hot. So they're bottle service girls or cocktail waitresses. They're going out on Monday night and Tuesday night. So that's another thing is if you have those places around you, but you're not really meeting these girls on the weekend, then plan it into your schedule to at least be going out on Monday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. These are like classical like industry girl nights so these hot bartenders these hot waitresses why do you think the girl that i'm dating was a bartender in scottsdale um how did i fucking meet her at a nightclub and have her back at my place five minutes later right it's because i was going out on industry nights i'm pretty sure i met her on on a wednesday night at a nightclub in scottsdale um so that's like a little insider pro tip trade secret is industry nights with the hot girls that actually are so hot they work in the industry monday nights wednesday nights sometimes thursday nights but mostly mondays and wednesdays um that's especially in scottsdale so i'd say that uh brendan horth no it is not pbr my friend it is not pbr we did have pbr a couple weeks ago uh which places do you like in scottsdale bro i would say in scottsdale Bottle Blonde is all right, but my biggest gripe with Bottle Blonde is if you're not in a dancing mood, it's really hard to approach girls because like I said, you have to be, you can't like, you can't be bringing the average of this interaction or or whatever girl you happen to approach. If she's like up here in energy level because she's dancing the night away and you come in and you're not dancing at all, you better be super high energy or injecting a lot of fun into it because you're, you're, your energy is naturally down here, which means that if you guys average out, she'll bring you up a little bit, but it'll bring her down. And 
because you're bringing her down, um, it's not gonna, more often than not, it's not gonna work out for you, right? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, so I like Bottle Blonde, but the music is so loud, it's really hard to have a conversation unless you're um, just in a really good mood to dance, right? So I've had a lot of good times in Bottle Blonde, but usually when I'm in, when I'm high energy myself is when I'll go to a place like Bottle Blonde. My favorite routine was always, I go to a place, I don't know if this place is still open anymore, but I used to, it was like, it was like, a given. This is my like fucking shit. I would go to a place called uh, fuck. What was the name of this place? Escapes me. Fuck. It's across the street from a place called Geisha Agogo. Um, but it was like this really dope bar, um, where it was just like a chill vibe. And what people would do is they would get all dressed up and they would go there to pregame. So like from anywhere from like dinner time on a Friday, Saturday night to around, uh, midnight, it was just, all the banging chicks there. They're all dressed up. They're all super friendly. They're all super hot. All the dudes are super chill because everybody's like kind of sober and hasn't come out of their shell yet. And then when midnight hits, you go over to Dakota. Now Dakota is the vibe. Dakota is like a clubby version of what I would consider that bar from the, the movie Crazy Stupid Love, which is on Netflix right now. It has Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. But Dakota is kind of like that. It's kind of got the same lighting and vibes. Dope ass uh, spot. And they also have like couches and lounge furniture and like heat lamps on the outside so you can stand outside where you can hear the music but you can also isolate girls out there and start talking to them um but they also have a dance floor they also have play retro 90s music with a little bit of like a trap beat behind it and that's my shit so i love dakota and i fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that i'm gonna look up the name of that place i forget the name of it covid man and not pbr but whatever is in here but anyways do you guys like when I kind of just shoot the shit and tell these random stories? If so, let me know a little story that you would like to know or ask a fucking question because I'm more than happy to answer. Now, let's get into the third um, body talk trigger that triggers attraction. Um, but first, let's answer a personal question. What is the oddest toy you've ever played with? That's a dumb question. What do you recall as being your first exposure to adult material growing up? Ooh. <laughs> Um, when I was, uh, it had to be middle school. Uh, I remember I would like my, we had like a little cable box and I bought like pay-per-view porn on the TV and I didn't really know what it was, but then I quickly found out when I hit buy, um, I think it was like the playboy channel. Um, and then my, my parents asked me like when they got the cable bill, um, several, like a month later, they're like, what is this? Did you buy porn? I was like, no, I don't know. Like. I think it must have been a ghost or something and then my mom was like okay and in my head i was like oh she totally bought that um but then in retrospect i think she knew what was going on <laughs> so the third thing we talked a little bit about body language when in doubt lean out leading and pacing who's reacting to who non-verbally we've also talked about the seductive gaze and how to practice the seductive gaze while basking in tension that way you're able to hold it with resilience like it's no big deal in the moment the next thing i want to talk about is vocal tonality and the reason why we got to talk about vocal tonality is because when we opened with this thing we did say uh did they open dakota yet I'm not sure that'd be worth looking up, but I know they have a ton of pool parties that are open. Oh, by the way, we have a boot camp coming up this summer when all the pool pool parties are definitely be going to be in full swing. And I'm looking forward to going out 
after the boot camp. So if you guys want to potentially get to party with Patrick James, but also have an amazing boot camp throughout the weekend and the day, um, I believe the link is the first link in the description. It's going to have a, a video as well as all the information about the boot camp. And if you're interested, just follow that page and check it out. So the third thing, vocal tonality. The first thing I want you to realize is in general, there's three tonalities that you want to be using when you're bantering with girls, right? And so the example that I gave in one of my programs, I, this is where I talk about it a lot. I think two programs, um, the magnetic personality formula and words that make her want you. Um, I teach about, uh, an exercise that I'm about to give you, but it's, uh, the breaking rapport tonality versus the seeking rapport tonality. Have you guys ever heard of this? For those of you who haven't, what it is, is, uh, if I just spoke like a, a robot, just like deadpan, like monotone, right? It's kind of just flat. And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a fucking example. Uh, I am a fucking badass. I said that sentence with a flat tonality. I am a fucking badass. I am a badass. What is your name? Where are you from? What is your name? Right? So all these, any question that you could ask a girl, that's a flat tonality. Well, a lot of guys, what you, what you'll realize is they're seeking rapport when they go, when they talk. So it goes up in inflection. What's your name? Oh, that's cool. Where are you from? Oh, what's your major? Oh my God. That's so amazing. Right? And their inflection goes up at the end of their sentences, but you can kind of tell from that tonality, like, where are you from? What's your name? Oh my God. Right? It's a seeking report tonality because what it does is subconsciously communicates to her that I really want you to answer this question. And if I don't, and if you don't, then I'm going to be butthurt. It's going to affect me because I'm trying really hard to seek rapport with you. I'm trying to build a connection with you. I really want this. I'm attached to this outcome. These are all subconscious things that get triggered just by having a seeking rapport tonality. Now, this is very similar to a question tonality, right? So if you think about uh, any like, Hey, what's for dinner, right? It, the, if I ask you what's for dinner, the inflection kind of goes up at the end, right? So that's a good mental hack to kind of realize when you have a seeking report tonality is, does it sound like every question I'm asking is asked as if it's a question, right? Because if I say I am a fucking badass, does it sound like I'm very sure of myself when I say that? No, I would rather have a neutral tonality uh, where it's just flat than a question mark tonality. I am a fucking badass. I'm Ron Burgundy. No, or I'm a fucking badass, right? Now it kind of sounds like I'm a little bit more sure of myself. It's flat, but then the breaking report tonality is the one that actually triggers attraction because it says I'm sure of myself, but it also sounds like I'm asking a question but, but it's a rhetorical question. Like I already know the answer, but I'm only asking it to, uh, to entertain myself is kind of the vibe it goes for. Right? So what's your name? Where are you from? Right? It kind of goes down in inflection. And I almost like to think about it as like in the middle of the sentence, it goes up just so you can come back down. So give me an example. Give me an example. Um, the art of seduction by Robert green, right? That was kind of flat or uh, the classic example from crazy, stupid love. One of my favorite examples of people to model for vocal tonality, attractive tonality is Ryan Gosling from crazy, stupid love. If you go back and watch that movie, you will notice that pretty much every sentence that he says when he's addressing a woman is spoken with a breaking rapport tonality. So who looks like a carrot? That's like the first line he has. Who looks like a carrot? 
Um, and then she like says something, she, she gives him a shit test and he goes, what are you a lawyer? All <laughs> right. Like, what are you a lawyer? And it goes down, right? What's your name? Where are you from? Come over here. I'm a fucking badass, right? It like puts a hard period on the end of the sentence. Now, the other common mistake I see with vocal tonality is guys who are, let's say, have a little bit of nerves in social situations, especially in front of hot girls. And so even if they know, hey, I got to project my voice and I got to speak up, which is going to be, you know, this is kind of a side note, right? Because even if you have a good breaking report tonality, what you want to do, so if you're imagining like a, a flat line and then if it goes up at the end, it's a seeking report. If it goes down, it's a breaking report tonality. You want to stay between neutral and breaking report tonality in general when you're talking to women. Now, don't overthink this. If you ask a question, yes, you can ask it with a, ask it with a question mark tonality, but don't be seeking data and validation from her by you or at least communicating that to her in the form of a question uh, mark tonality, right? So the other common example is guys will, they'll they'll project the first part of the sentence and then it'll kind of taper off at the end. And I am a visual person, so I imagine it's like, if I saw captions and subtitles under them, it looks like there's a dot, dot, dot. And so it's like, um, oh, that's cool, what's your name? Hey, my name's Robert, what's your name? Right, it kind of just trails off at the end. Right. I'm a fucking badass. I am a fucking badass. Right. So don't, I'm obviously exaggerating it for the sake of example, but pay attention to this. Um, and and honestly, the best thing I would recommend, um, just to not seem super unnatural is again, just like the seductive gaze practice delivering some of the lines that we talk about on this channel or even in this book, practice delivering those in the mirror, practice your delivery. You know, every good comedian practices how they tell their stories and they practice the tonality and the delivery of the punchline, right? So if these are almost like little one-liners, one little punchlines that you can inject to conversation into the conversation to spark tension and sexual attraction, wouldn't it behoove you to at least practice it? Right. So that is an example where right now I'd use the question mark tonality, but it was almost a rhetorical question. And so you can also think about breaking report tonality is almost like you say things as if it's a rhetorical question. And so that will be a little mental shortcut to help you get the right tonality in the moment. But more importantly, practice the delivery and maybe combine it with the exercise that I gave you earlier, which is practicing the seductive gaze while also practicing your delivery on some of these playfully challenging lines that you know you'll be able to work into different conversations. Does this make sense to you guys? Um, (laughs) Valued One says, yes, like Ben Stein. Yep, exactly. Uh, All right. And so the other example I want to give you for your vocal tonality, and this one is relevant just because uh, I have a, a client in the inner circle um, and he he was actually struggling to get girls' attention when he approached her. And uh, I talked about, about him a little bit last week when I, about some of the advice I was giving him as far as bantering and stuff. But one of the things he struggled with was I asked him, hey, like what what kind of volume are you speaking at when you approach these girls? Like talk to me at the same level of volume that you were talking. And dude, he was barely speaking above like a like a conversational tone if you were talking to one person in a room. And one of the things that I learned very early on, when I especially when I was learning, and I think this is a way overused phrase in this uh in the dating community, which is like high status. People use the word high status so freely that um, I think a lot of guys misconstrue it, which is why you won't often see me 
describing things as high status, but, um, for the sake of example, simply because in the evolution of desire, Dr. David Buss talks about high status triggers and men of status, right? And so status, one of the triggers of status is a leader in the room or a leader of a pack or an alpha male, if you will, he will often be speaking about 10 to 15% louder at a louder volume than everybody else in the room. And what you'll notice, just do this as a fucking experiment for you, is the next time you're in a group of people, when you speak up, kind of take the average level, volume level that everybody's speaking at, and shoot to get it about 10 to 15%, a, a little bit more volume than everybody else, right? And it's not, I'm yelling for the sake of yelling, but it's more like coming from your chest and coming from your gut. You're projecting your voice a little bit more. And a lot of you guys, and I challenge, I challenge this client to do it on one of our coaching calls because if I'm yelling, it sounds like I'm straining my voice and you will easily lose your voice very quickly if you're straining your vocal cords. You wanna practice projecting and what I found is the vocal charging exercise is really gonna help your ability to project in a way that doesn't strain your vocal cords so you don't lose your voice. And if you can just become the type of guy who naturally starts projecting your voice um, pretty much everywhere, uh, almost like a muscle, it'll become a habit for you and it will be one of those things that you're passively getting attraction just because this is something that you've actively, actively worked on, right? And so for me, I speak at the same volume level here as I am when I'm with my friends, as I am when I approach a girl, because it's a muscle I've built up. And so I'll give you what the, I'll tell you what the vocal charging exercise here in a second, but just know that when you first start doing this, it might feel like you're straining your voice. You might be feeling like you're speaking at a louder volume than you're used to, and you might fear that other people will hear you, judge you, think negatively of you, but I just challenge you to do this just for the next 30 days and report back to me how this works out for you. Speak at a volume higher, but also practice doing this exercise in the morning. Um, when you're, what I do is I, I, I actually like to read books in the morning. It's one of the first things I do. I wake up, I take my morning piss, I drink some water and then I read a book and I listen to one of my favorite audios that keeps my mental straight, which is The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Um, you can look that up on YouTube. Uh, my goal is I listen to that every morning and I read at least 10 to 15 pages, but the vocal charging exercise goes like this and this will really help you project your voice and actually work that muscle to where when you, imagine this, you're talking to a girl, you approach a girl, not only are you projecting your voice in a complete, in a way that feels completely natural and not forced and not strained out a little bit, and she's leaning into you, and you have the seductive gaze, and you've practiced your delivery with your vocal tonality, right? And so all you do is you open up. It doesn't even matter. Write out, write down a favorite quote of yours, or look at any book that you're reading, and just read the first sentence out loud and just practice projecting your voice and do it three times in a row. And make sure you're hydrated, so drink a little bit of water so your vocal cords aren't completely dry. Um, but I'll, do it, I'll just do it here. All right. The moment people feel they know what to expect from you, your spell on them is broken. More, you have seeded them power. The only way to lead the seduced along and keep the upper hand is to create suspense, a calculated surprise. 
So I just read the first sentence of this page in The Artist of Deduction, which by the way is a great read, right? So obviously I'm projecting my voice in an exaggerated way, but I'm trying to do it from my gut, but I'm also trying to open my vocal cords at the same time so it doesn't sound strained like, the moment you f people feel they know what to expect from you, your spell on them is broken, <laughs> right? So there's a difference there. And obviously, just like shooting free throws or anything, it's gonna take some reps. And it's gonna be like building a muscle in a gym. When you build that projection muscle, you're gonna naturally be speaking at a louder volume with the same amount of vocal strain. Imagine that, right? The same amount of energy you put into speaking now, if you're not used to speaking at above, a, above a, a whisper or above where everybody else is, it'll be natural the more you practice this vocal charging exercise. But more importantly, it's kinda like, you know, um, the first example that comes to my mind is like that movie Anchorman with Will Ferrell. You know, he's doing like, ow, now, brown cow, ow, now, brown cow, unique New York, unique New York. You know, like newscasters do that shit. Well, think about this as you're warming up your vocal cords to fucking dominate your motherfucking day, especially every girl that happens to cross your path that day. And so what you'll notice is like, especially if you do this first thing in the morning, um, your 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 voice needs to warm up a little bit. Like your first time vocally charging uh, your voice by reading out the sentence out loud, it'll get better the second time and it'll get even better the third time. And once it gets good, now your voice is like warmed up and you almost feel more energized. Um, and Tony Robbins says this all the time, but motion creates emotion. And so if you just get up and start jumping up and down or just dancing like I was at the beginning of this live stream, you know, it creates good emotions. It makes you feel good. Same type of effect when you charge your vocal cords in this way, it makes you feel more energetic. It makes you feel better and it puts you in a better mood. Right, and so this is just a good way to start your day. For me, what I do is I used to have on a note card um, one of my favorite quotes because it always reminded me to be taking action uh, that really moves my life forward. And so it was basically uh, a quote from Charlie Munger who's the business partner of Warren Buffett, but he, and I say this all the time because I think guys need to be reminded of it a lot, a lot, including myself, which is why I would do the vocal charging exercise with this quote, um, but I would say, to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. The world is not yet a crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people, right? It's one of my favorite quotes of all time, and I would do the vocal charging exercise with a quote like that. So you can do it either way. Um, in the book you're reading, read out the first sentence of the day, out loud, vocally charge your voice, do three reps in the morning, um, or right before you go out at night, if you've been working at your computer all day, something like that, um, or, have a note card, have a quote, um, and, and read that out loud. So that is the what I have to say about vocal tonality. And also, again, practice this in the mirror with your seductive gaze. You can kill multiple birds with one stone by doing these things at the same time and practicing them at the same time. And with body language, uh, another thing I want to add in is like uh, conveying ownership in a room. What you'll notice is guys who are comfortable in their own skin and guys who have high status body language, what they do is, I call it the arm foot trick, is you know, if you're at a movie theater, the guy has his fucking feet on the chair in front of him, or if you're sitting at a table and there's multiple chairs, you have your arm leaning on this chair, or you're leaning back against the wall. Leaning back, like when in doubt, lean out, leaning back against a pillar, leaning back against the wall, leaning into a chair, having your foot on a stool, these are different things that subconsciously, the arm foot trick, just because you place your limb on it, 
it subconsciously conveys that I have ownership over this space in this room, which is a, uh, a high status trigger. It's an attraction trigger that triggers positive things in pre-selection, even to the girls that you're not talking to, to everybody in the room who sees you with your arm on the on that chair or stool or whatever. Um, it's a positive thing that subconsciously makes them more attracted to you and gives you more charisma in the moment. And honestly, I talk a lot about all these different tricks in my program, the Magnetic Personality Formula, which is like uh, an entire course, one of the only ones that I even know of in the entire world that is guaranteed, guaranteed, my personal guarantee to make you more charismatic. Um, and this is one of those things that we go over in that, in that uh, training as well. But here's the thing. What you'll find, especially if you're relatively new to working on your body language, is that um, when you first do it, you will get a better result and a different result. You'll you'll see people responding to you differently than you're used to, which is a good thing because it starts building up momentum for you. But what you probably won't realize and you'll just learn through reference experience is that more often than not, especially if you're just starting out, you're gonna put your arm and your foot on everything and it's gonna look a little try hard and it's gonna almost like you're going a little bit over the top. When you start projecting your voice, you're gonna be projecting in a way that is a little bit irritating and hurts people's ears a little bit, right? But don't worry about it, right? Don't worry about it and don't worry about people judging you negatively because you're taking action in the name of getting better at game. And we all have to go through that phase when you first start because that's how you become calibrated with everything that you're doing, right? So if you imagine like, here's the sweet spot for you, right? And you're starting at ground zero. Well, if you start working on your body language and you're like, well, Patrick told me to lean back and Patrick told me to put my arm on this shit. What you're going to start doing is you're going to start leaning back and putting your arm on shit and you're going to start projecting your voice and you're going to go over the top. Here's the sweet spot. You're going to be like right here. You need to be at an eight. You're going to be at a 10 or an 11 but that's okay because when you notice that, when you get that experience, you're gonna get a better result than you're currently getting because I would rather be here than down here, but you're not gonna quite get the results that you want and you're just gonna dial it back just slightly. Just dial it back a little bit and that's where you're gonna hit that sweet spot, right? That's where you're gonna calibrate, kind of like a, a missile that's constantly zeroing in on its target, right? but you gotta start back here to get there. And so um, that's just one thing to keep in mind as you start taking action with this stuff if this is making sense, let me know in the chat. Um, girls that like that morning voice in guys. <laughs> girls like that fuckboy voice. Yeah, hey, baby, I'm, I'm super sexy. I woke up this morning and thought of you. How was your night? Sweet dreams, baby. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, man. Uh, but it depends on your definition of morning voice. Uh, morning voice. Um, me, personally, I, I like... My mornings are sacred, man. Like... Even with my girl, like when, when we wake up, if we wake up at the same time, I don't want anybody to talk to me for the first few hours of the day because um, I don't know if you, like if you've ever read any books on like productivity or anything, um, what you'll find is you have the most willpower the first thing in the morning. And so that's why Brian Ch Tracy, uh, he has a book called Eat the Frog. Um, there's another book called The One Thing um, by Gary Keller, I believe. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's from that Keller Williams real estate group. They both co-authored the one thing. It's basically the same concept. It's basically like first thing in the morning, your willpower is the highest. So you need to do your most important task and get shit done with your most important task as soon as possible. First thing in the morning, right? Because um, 
You got to eat that frog first thing because everything you do after that point in the day is going to feel like you're riding on the momentum from getting the hardest thing you had to do first thing in the morning, but also everything else is going to be super easy for you that day, right? And so think about like, what is the hardest thing for you to get done? What is the thing that you procrastinate doing the most? For me, anything that's involved with writing things, um, I write a lot. I think I've written, uh, we looked back over a million words in the last three years to the Raw Dating Advice email newsletter and in my, especially if you count my book and stuff a few years ago, we've written well over a million words. And so, but what a lot of people don't realize is I, I absolutely dread writing. So I have to do it in the morning because I got to eat that frog first thing because everything else I do after that will be very easy for me. And so whatever that is for you, you gotta, you gotta protect that time. Like it's fucking sacred. Right. Um, and there's another thing, uh, called, was it the power of full engagement and then deep work. These are two books that talk a lot about, um, having like that, that two or three hour block throughout your day where you're getting fully focused, undistracted work. For me, I eat that frog and I have my, my deep work, my three hour magic time session. Um, first thing in the morning. So I don't want anybody to talk to me in the morning. I don't give a fuck about that morning voice. Right. But I vocally charge that way. I'm ready to crush it as soon as my magic time is over for the day. Uh, Brendan, he says a good person to look up is Don Draper in the show Mad Men. He has good body language. He does have good, good body language. Um, my personal favorite though, I don't know why I think I just vibe with the character from crazy, stupid love way more. I fucking love Ryan Gosling's character in that. Not only because is he almost like a dating coach, but I love his vocal tonality. I love his body language. I love his style. He's very tailored. Um, everything's very form fitting. Um, one of my good friends, Ryan McGinn, who uh, used to give a lot of, uh, he used to like be a style consultant for a lot of like professional athletes, pro football players, uh, especially if they're going into the NFL draft and stuff. Um, and one of the things that he, he calls himself the handsome guy expert, right? And so one of the things he always preached, and I full heartedly believe this is you can instantly make yourself more handsome by having a good fitting shirt or just getting yourself better fitting, right? Most guys don't even think about the fit of their shirt or when they do, they don't think about a fit that will actually complement their body figure. And whether you're 300 pounds overweight or you're 20 pounds underweight or you're a little bit skinny fat or you're ripped, there are different things that you can do to accentuate your already attractive figures or make your not so attractive figure appear more attractive based off of the ratios of like your shoulder to hip uh, and even your ankles. And so these are little different things, especially uh, at my boot camps in Scottsdale. What we do is we, I take you to the mall where all the hot chicks go. Um, and you see all these celebrities when they come to Scottsdale, Jake Paul, you, I think raided this mall in Scottsdale when COVID uh, started right uh last year when they had all the raids around right so that mall it's called fashion square mall it's called fashion square mall for a reason because all the hot girls go there to buy their fucking fancy clothes and they have and it's a huge mall right so what i do is one of the nights of the boot camp i take all the guys out to the mall and i start giving them some of these style tips or recommendations for their wardrobe that would accentuate their body figure one of these guys for example uh mason from the last boot camp mason if you remember from the documentary uh he was bald, a little bit overweight, um, but he was insecure about the way he looked, didn't have a lot of confidence. After the boot camp, um, one of his defining moments, the turning point for him, was when we went to the mall and we did do some of the style tips that um, 
we recommend. Uh, we got him a nice, well-fitting blazer for him. And he wore that blazer uh, and uh, obviously learned what we talked did at the boot camp. But he wore that blazer. He went to his 20-year high school reunion two months after the boot camp and ended up talking to his high school crush, a girl he had known since middle school, but never had the courage to talk to in high school. And she, she was one of those hot, popular girls in high school, 20-year high school reunion. He starts his conversation with her, creates some banter. He uses what I teach in 30 Perfect Texts, sends her a few of those texts. Long story short, they meet up on a date and they start dating his boyfriend and girlfriend. My mind was blown when he told me that, um, but it just goes to show how some of this little stuff that a lot of men overlook, grooming, style, fashion, body language, nonverbal communication, these little shifts can really make all the difference for you. Does that make sense? So like I said, if you're interested in coming to our upcoming bootcamp, it's the last one that we're doing. Um, for various different reasons, but mostly because uh, raw dating advice, we've had to adapt. I've still been taking on clients even during COVID, and one of the only ways that I had any per private clients that I was working with them gearing up pre-COVID was to do a lot of in-person boot camps. Well, I have a lot of exciting things that I'm looking forward to launching this year and, and exciting ways that I'm looking forward to working with my clients, but one of the last times for this foreseeable future, at least scheduled boot camps. Um, this is the only scheduled boot camp that we have, definitely for this year, um, if not for the next couple of years, because of a lot of the things that we have coming down the line, the pipeline. But um, like I said, if you really want to come to this boot camp, uh, we have a few spots left. Uh, it's this June, and like I said, all the information that you need is at the first link in the description below this video. Or if you're listening to this on podcast form, which by the way, before we get close out the day. Um, I have two more things I want to teach you. Um, but quick announcement. We recently turned raw dating advice into a, a podcast format as well. So yes, we're doing these live streams that are more conversational and these are also going to be part of the raw dating advice podcast, but all the episodes of raw dating advice going back to several years ago, you can now listen to wherever podcasts are hosted. So, uh, I look back on at some of our stats and we have uh, a lot more people than I realized listening to the Raw Dating Advice podcast as well. And I think that's just because a lot of people prefer to be able to listen to some of this stuff at the gym or in the car or they download it and listen to it on airplane flights, especially some of those flights from guys who are flying into the Scottsdale boot camp in a couple of months. So that said, if you're listening on the podcast format, um, the website is just theforbiddenkeys.com forward slash apply theforbiddenkeys.com forward slash apply or link in the description. So let's get to the fourth body talk attraction trigger, which is escalation. We've been talking a lot about what do we do with our bodies and how do we talk and how do we interact with her non-verbally. But what we haven't talked about yet is um, escalation and more specifically, how do you break the touch barrier and how do you physically escalate on women? And I'll kind of wrap things up here and, and kind of, Get, get these two points out a lot quicker because we've been going for like an hour and 40 minutes. But um, keep in mind that your midline is like the more intimate part of your body, right? So if I stand like this, the closer I get to the midline, obviously the more resistance you'll feel or she will feel to wanting you to actually touch her there, right? So what you have to do is start on the outside of the midline as far out as possible and then work your way in with your escalation. So it always starts with the handshake. The moment you meet a girl, you're probably gonna shake her hand, right? 
right? So one of my favorite things to do is hold the handshake a little bit longer, right? If you're, if a normal handshake goes like this and then break, hold it, shake it, and then just keep holding it. And while you're holding her hand, give her the seductive gaze, hold that eye contact. That right there will create a moment for you and it will, it will immediately stand out for her. And now she's at least comfortable with you touching her on her hands from from there, it's just the playful nudges. Whenever you get a, give her a playful tease, nudge her on the shoulder, nudge her on the arm. When you talk to her, put your hand on the on the on her upper back. Little things like this, but it's how you work from the hands closer into the midline. But a lot of guys undervalue the fact that when you can give that extended handshake and hold the seductive seductive gaze, that is breaking the touch barrier, and it is a perfect opportunity because it happens so often where you can actually spark that attraction and get the train rolling where everything that happens after that point is done on the foundation of that sexual tension. All right. So remember the zones of escalation, remember started with the handshake. And then the other thing is two steps forward, one step back. So many guys want to break the touch barrier and then they just keep touching her and working their way in and working their way in. And so if you went, for example, handshake, and then put her on the shoulder and went for the kiss, that would be one, two, three steps forward, and she would probably stop you right there, right? So you gotta go two steps forward, so you give her a handshake, she says something cool, you bring her in for a hug, one step back, you push her off, all right, that's enough, get off me. You always go two steps forward, one step back, but what you didn't notice there is if I was holding the handshake and then I brought her in for a hug, now she's at least comfortable with me, going in for the hug and having that much escalation simply because I took it away first. Two steps forward, one step back. Three steps forward is too much. One step forward, you'll be stuck all night. You always have to do two steps forward, one step back, so it always feels like you're the one taking it away first, which makes her want it more, but at the same time, still step by step is moving the interaction one step forward. Does that make sense? Simple math, two plus one, Minus one. <laughs> You're always moving one step forward, right? So that's what I have to say about escalation. And let's get into the last one, which is banter. All right, banter. Banter is I included it in the body talk attraction triggers because it's one of those things that regardless of what is said, it's a nonverbal exchange. Of, it's like a, it's a nonverbal exchange of energy that conveys, hey, we're flirting with each other. And if you've been experienced with delivering playfully challenging lines, teasing girls, or doing anything that we teach in my book, 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl, you've probably felt this energy. When she's giggling at the things that you say, you're holding the seductive gaze, She's you feel like you have this power, right? A lot of guys, and this is a whole other topic, but a lot of guys get stuck there and the interaction kind of fizzles out quickly because they don't know where to take it next. Um, but Using banter as a spice in the dish is very crucial, and it's one of those first skills that you must learn if you want to get better at game because um, it's if you're building everything you do on the foundation of attraction, which you should be, then that means one of the first things that has, has to happen in the conversation is you guys are bantering back and forth. So when a girl's giving you a shit test early on, or if you're playfully teasing her, or she's even teasing you, or if she makes fun of you, that's good. That's banter, right? You these are just it's like a it's like a dance. It's a verbal dance and it's an exchange of energy um, when you guys are bantering back and forth. But why I say using it as a spice in the dish is because the only reason that your conversation fizzles out from there is because you stay there. You stay there, 
right? It's a spice in the dish. It's like adding pepper to guacamole, right? I don't know if you've ever added black pepper to guacamole, but sometimes it's a good spice to add to guacamole, right? But too much, it, it makes, it ruins the guacamole. Not enough. It's like, dang, I wish there was a little bit of black pepper in here, right? And so the reason why banter is cool is because it adds drama to the conversation. It adds drama to the conversation. When you're disqualifying her, when she's playfully teasing you or giving you a shit test, that's drama to the conversation. And imagine watching a movie, if it had no drama, it'd be the most boring movie in the world. And more often than not, because girls are so emotionally driven, they love the drama. Women love this shit, right? So the more you can inject drama into the interaction by disqualifying her, teasing her, telling her she's too innocent, telling her she couldn't handle you in bed, different things like this, this will inject drama and tension into the conversation. But when you bring it back to building that no like trust factor, vibing with her, exchanging stories, making playful observations, bringing the conversation back to you and her, asking her how she could relate to the story you just told. And then if she, whenever she gives an answer, you say, oh, I knew you were one of those innocent girls. And then she starts qualifying herself to you. Or, you know, my, my mother used to warn me about girls like you. But you do this as a spice in the dish. So maybe every five to 10 minutes, you're injecting it into the conversation, but it's not the theme of the conversation, right? So banter is one of these skills that you can turn it on and off throughout the conversation whenever you can tell that there is more energy or there's more tension that needs to be injected in the conversation, right? And so I like to think about it as like Flappy Bird, right? Flappy Bird, you want him to be flying, but if you do too much tension, what does he do? It hits the top and it's too much, right? Or you run into something, right? Or if you're not injecting tension into the conversation, you're just connecting with her. Well, over time, the conversation is going down, down, down. That's when you need to spike it back up and bring it back up, right? So you do it just to keep a, a good base level of sexual tension, which again, talking about earlier when we're mirroring and pacing and leading, these are things that allows you to effectively lead the interaction and keeps her emotions spiked to where she's constantly following your lead on the foundation of sexual attraction. Does this make sense to you guys? And so I have a whole training about banter, but real quick, one of my favorite ways to do this is just disqualifying her. More than anything, just disqualify girls. Disqualify bask in the tension with a seductive gaze because that's one of those crucial moments where if you're not too experienced or maybe or maybe you haven't injected enough tension into the conversation, maybe you'll disqualify a girl and she'll, let me know if you guys have ever noticed this, but sometimes a girl will just pause and like look at you in the eyes. And you're like waiting for her to react one way or the other because you don't, maybe you're not used to the reaction. What you need to understand is when she's looking you in the eyes, she's studying you. She's trying to see if you're congruent to the type of guy who would be disqualifying a girl like her, right? And all you have to do is hold the eye contact. It's literally that simple. When she looks at you and she's studying your eyes, just don't flinch. That's it. Just don't flinch. And that right there, if you don't practice basking in the tension in the ways that we've talked about earlier in this podcast then what you're, what you're going to do is you're going to flinch because you weren't prepared for basking in that tension. Bask in the tension, especially practice it before the moment happens. And what you'll find is immediately she'll start showing, showing submissive behavior. She'll start giggling or she'll break the gaze by looking down. That's when you know you've just essentially passed the test, which was I disqualified you. She tried to see if you were congruent. She submissively, uh, she submitted or whatever, giggled or broke eye contact by gazing downwards. And 
these are good things because it sparked attraction. It worked actually to um, inject that banter type of energy into the conversation. And then lastly, maintain your frame that you are the buyer. You're the leader in this interaction. You're not so easily sold on her. You're trying to figure her out. You're trying to disqualify her. You're trying to qualify her. You're trying to see if this is the type of girl that you want to bring into your life. That is one of the most attractive frames, but it's also one of the frames that's super hard to do unless you're very comfortable in your own skin. And so, like I said, if you want to get more confident and comfortable in your own skin, more importantly, better at bantering with women, I highly recommend uh, that you come to our upcoming boot camp in Scottsdale, Arizona. Not only for the reasons that we talked about so far, you're going to meet a lot of hot girls that weekend. You're in the place with what I would consider to be the highest density of hot girls in the nation, but also everything's opening back up here. It's a party. Most girls are, well, they're like super excited to get out and start um, meeting guys again. And one of the best ways to do it is in an environment like Scottsdale where no matter what time of the day, no matter where you are, you're going to have a lot of hot girls walking around everywhere. And more importantly, the whole point of the weekend is to improve your self-confidence, your inner game, your mentality when it comes to um, how do I become a more effective man in life, right? And, and if you've seen the documentary, you'll find that this goes beyond just game. It's life improvement. But more importantly, one of the benefits is you will get what we call a banter session where I'm literally bringing in wing girls and we are going to have you banter in that controlled environment with these wing girls we're going to tell you hey approach this girl pretend you guys are at a grocery store go right and then you approach her and at any point in the conversation if i feel like hey you could have tweaked this you could have said this with a better tonality hey i would have said this here to create more tension in the interaction i'll pause the interaction tell you what i would have changed and then you'll resume the conversation and what you'll find is that just by doing a few quick tweaks to your game your game is going to drastically improve and you can attract quality women exactly how you are right now just by making a few of those crucial tweaks to your game. And so if you want to experience this banter session, this is the last bootcamp we're doing, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, definitely this year. Um, so definitely check out the link below this video and we will see about making sure that you get one of these last spots of the bootcamp. That said, if you liked this podcast, if you got any value out of this, give me a thumbs up. It helps the video, it helps the channel. And like I said, we're doing this every Monday and Thursday night. Um, nobody guessed what is in my cup tonight. So I'll give you guys another chance on Thursday, but let's close out here. Let's, um, uh, get another one of these cards drawn for me. And also let me know, we have this whole new studio. I got two microphones. Um, and so if you guys want to see any guests in the future, let me know who you would like to see. And we'll see about getting those people on as guests to another, uh, to one, to an upcoming, uh, raw dang advice live stream. So let's get one of these personal questions answered. All right. If you could tell off someone right now, who would it be and why did you, who would it be and why did you select this person? I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like I don't want to tell anybody off right now. I'm feeling in a good mood. All right. So there's the other question. What would you ask a dead? What would you ask dead relatives during a seance? Do UFOs and aliens exist what happens when you go into a black hole 
I don't know. These are some of the the bigger questions of life that I ponder. What is afterlife like? Is there tequila in the afterlife? Can I have a margarita whenever I want? Um, I don't know. Things like that. Oh, by the way, this reminds me, I have a really intriguing guest coming up on my second podcast, uh, which is dropping on Wednesday on my other channel. This guy, speaking of seances, uh, is a formal, former police officer who openly admitted, uh, not openly admitted, but he talked about an experience that was so mind-blowing for him when he was in the police force in the 90s that him and his partner decided that they couldn't put it on the police report or people would think they were crazy. And uh, so they wrote uh, the police report as if it was just like very simple, very straightforward. And then they, they never went back to this house that had some freaky deaky seance type shit going on. And it was so mind blowing for him that it literally changed his entire career. And that led to him eventually coming on my podcast. So that's all I want to say about that. Uh, I gave you a very cliff notes, uh, open loop hint as to what might be happening on this podcast on Wednesday. But, um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, definitely recommend checking that out. Otherwise I will see you guys on Thursday. Peace out.